don't be scared. Have an honest conversation about what's really going on because at the end of the day, it's affecting their wages, their salaries. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of the different things that are important to them, it's affecting them. I mean, it's the biggest redistribution of wealth our country's ever seen. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Andrade with Solving Healthcare Podcast. We normally interview companies that are positively affecting healthcare, but today we're actually interviewing an individual who's single-handedly affecting healthcare. Doug Aldean is an ERISA attorney, been an attorney since 1996, and just an all-around good guy. Given his unique perspective in defending lawsuits for things like reference-based pricing, I want to get in an update from him as to what he's seeing emerging in the marketplace as things to be cautious for a, as an employer or things to lean in heavily. So you've been on the show once or twice before, and I always yes, enjoy sir. having you on our show because one, you have such a unique Likewise. perspective on the healthcare space, but also it's just your passion for the good guy and the passion for what's right. Today, a lot of things to talk through, but there's probably too much to talk through for the amount of time that we have. So Doug, would you mind just for the audience, give a bit of a flavor for your background and what you do in the area of law? Sure. So been a lawyer for 28 years, been in healthcare for 23 out of 28 years, started out in the provider-sponsored HMO area, both in Champaign, Illinois, and in San Antonio, Texas, and had my own firm since 07, but have been in Austin now for five years and represent a ton of reference-based pricing companies. Anybody in the self-funded space, I mean, I've probably worked with you in a number of different capacities. So for uh, our audience, we're going to have a variety of folks, you know, brokers, consultants, employers, and some health plans are on, as well. But not everybody understands what reference-based pricing is, and they probably may not understand why would you need an attorney who spends most of his time in that space. So can you talk very quickly about what reference-based pricing is and then why would they need a Doug Aldi as an attorney for representation? <laughs> Great question. So <laughs> reference-based pricing, as opposed to PPO discounts from the top down, <laughs> reference-based pricing is from the bottom up and it's open access. There's no contract. And so there's going to be a honeymoon period for, I don't know, a year or two, two max, where all the claims slide through, but you're going to start to get pushback. And ultimately, you're going to need me to help resolve those claims with the facilities. That's kind of what I do there. The way I describe reference-based pricing is rather than relying on an insurance company to negotiate a discount or a fee for an allowable amount for fill-in-the-blank procedure, reference-based pricing kind of eliminates some of the gamesmanship and some of the negotiating problems in such a level price based on the service itself. And it uses Medicare as a basis for reimbursement. And so there is some adjustment for quality. There is some adjustment based on uh, some other things. But for all intents and purposes, the same procedure is going to be paid about the same amount depending on the procedure that you go. And so an employer, where they enter the game and say, okay, for me, what's a fair percentage of Medicare that I pay to essentially give the hospital a fair reimbursement, but also to kind of fall within that category of providing a fair benefit to my employees as well. Did I get that right? You did. But keep in mind that Medicare reimburses in the aggregate, not on a claim by claim basis. So I love ELAP. They started out way too low. So they started out at 120% of Medicare and in many instances, that doesn't pay the cost of the claim. 
And so what happened is you end up with these different lawsuits mm-hmm. because again, Medicare only pays on an aggregate basis, not on a claim by claim basis. Yeah. And what's interesting is you hear this story a lot when you talk to hospitals that Medicare doesn't pay them enough and you can go through CMS data true. and you can, yeah, you know, no, I know it's not true. I was going to get to that, but you can see within the CMS data what amount they're charging, what Medicare would pay, but then you also see the yeah. cost to charge ratio. You can argue that many hospitals may not have a cost accounting mechanism, so you can actually know the true charge of an MRI versus the true charge of a knee replacement. But for all intents and purposes, I understand it, Medicare takes into account what the cost should be, allows a notion for profitability, and I think it's in the nature of 20% or something like that. And so if a hospital is less efficient, that's not Medicare's problem. Absolutely. So really the problem, Michael, is think about this. I mean, hospitals used to be 50 years ago, places where people went to die or there's a serious trauma, car accident, Mm -hmm. heart attack. Now you could have yoga. You know, it's just become this complex that I think arguably is probably too big to fail. My hometown of Champaign, Illinois, Outside of the University of Illinois, Carl Hospital, second largest employer. So 100 miles to Chicago, 100 miles to Indianapolis, 100 miles to St. Louis. What I tell people now is like hospitals, yeah, they served a purpose in the community. They still obviously do. They absolutely do. But the thing is, is is now it's kind of like a convenience store. Would you go to a convenience store to buy groceries? You never would. Why? Because you're overcharged for everything milk, whatever, whatever, whatever. And so hospital pricing kind of works the same way. You can get the same service for a lot lower price if you actually are a discerning consumer. Yeah. And so that's how I describe the hospital system now is that typically it's it's a huge convenience store. It's a collectively bargained agreement that tends to favor the hospital versus the consumer. And so with that in mind, reference-based pricing. So the reason that somebody like you would need to be on point is that sometimes you had mentioned ELAF, you think they don't pay enough. Sometimes hospitals will raise their hand and say, you know what, that's not enough. We'll accept this 150% of Medicare, whatever the number is, but we're going to choose to balance bill the number for the difference. Enter right. Douglas. So Doug, how do you help in that situation? So think about this. So you've got the insurance, okay. Mm-hmm. It's a defined benefit. So reference-based pricing is a defined benefit. So Technically, the member is on their own. The plan is met its obligation. But, you know, in many instances, a lot of people qualify for financial assistance. And that right there is a whole different discussion, maybe a different podcast, but 501R, financial assistance. Because all these different facilities have financial assistance policies, varying levels. And... When you start looking at what they pay in charity care, I mean, there's hospitals under 1%. You can access their financial assistance policies. You can look at their Medicare payment to cost report. There's a lot of different things you can look at as long as you're talking to the right person. Because when you're negotiating with a hospital, 85% of the game is talking to the right person. If you're talking to somebody in patient accounting or, you know, they have a script, good luck, never going to happen, blah, blah, blah. You got to find the right person. 85% of the game is finding the right person at the hospital to have a conversation. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up 501R because that's probably something that most brokers, employers, 
And maybe even some hospital people that you talk with are not aware of that. But essentially not, that, that it, it, it yeah. literally is the biggest thing. So think about COVID. Think about all the people that are now unemployed mm-hmm. that don't have insurance. And you think about it's the wild west, Michael. When you look at hospital financial assistance policies, what they provide internally, what they provide to the public, what they provide to the IRS. Wild West. There's no SEC. There's no FINRA. There's nobody out there monitoring anything. Well, understand totally. So in your role, your responsibility is when that balance bill happens, you have various tools that you can go to, but you're charged with essentially settling the amount. Correct. Correct. In terms of the settlement process, does that normally happen when we reach a settlement with a hospital provider? How does that work for you? So think about this. I'm going to find out if I take a case, I want their tax returns, the authorization. So all of those different things. So you can access different tools because initially there's no more insurance. The plan's not going to pay anymore. All right. They're not. They've met their benefit. They've met the obligations of their policy. Okay. Number two, by the way, your financial assistance policy provides for both uninsured and underinsured patients up to certain levels. And that's a lot of people. But I can tell you this right now, a lot of hospitals, if you're quote out of network, which you can't discriminate based on insurance status under the IRS codes, will deny you up front. But the hospitals are the judge, jury, and executioner. They make a decision, okay, what are you gonna do? Call up President Trump, call up President Biden. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Understood. Okay, Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess just to make it clear then, your role is that you get to help the settlement process happen, either by putting it in the face of the hospital. This is your patient assistant program. And based on that, you know, you're either way overcharging this person and you should have a settlement of X. So let's just walk away and and this conversation never happened. And so, yeah, your job is to equitably settle it, but use public information that the hospital produces to do just that. Exactly. So think about this, AGB, okay? AGB is a great thing. Amounts generally built, all right? AGB in so many different systems can be under 10%. Single digits. So for every dollar you bill, you're happy with nine cents, eight cents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're profitable. A lot of systems out there like that. And it's all publicly um, available, at least it should be. Yeah. So with that in mind, understanding your role, you have a unique perspective because you understand intimately what reference-based pricing is. You understand intimately what the settlement process will be, but ultimately the conversation you have to have with hospitals. You also, we're we're in a unique perspective because reference-based pricing really has been, even though a lot of people are talking about it from a hospital perspective, they weren't seeing a preponderance of claims happening. So the reason to settle, it's really more of a nuisance and they probably haven't, it hasn't been enough of an expense to raise to the awareness of the CFO that, hey, we might have a problem with fill in the blank. What are you seeing now in 2020 as it's over now going into 2021? Anything that an employer should be concerned about or excited about when it comes to reference-based pricing in general, but then the settlement process as well? Let's talk about that. So if I was an employer right now, you're coming out of COVID, your biggest concern is preservation of P&L. The best thing you could do, 
get out of a PPO network, go to reference-based pricing, okay? Open access, no contract, because at the end of the day, the only amount the hospital can recover is the reasonable value of those services. And it's not the charge master, it's not. And with a little bit of data and a little bit of help, when you start looking at like Sigma discounts, so think about this, Sigma is basing their discounts of a hyperinflated charge master rights. You're getting 25% discount from Sigma off of a, I don't know, mm-hmm. 1,500% of Medicare charge master rate. I mean, you're still overpaying. So the insurance company's getting rich, the hospital's getting rich, and the employer's going broke. Never going to work. So I would opt out entirely, go open access. Eventually, the hospital's going to figure it out. Take your block of claims. And frankly, you could set a market rate. I mean, honestly, it's a painful process. It really is because, you know, people are getting billed. But, you know, there's no way to corral the hospital billing and collection practices. I mean, it's just, it's, it's completely out of control. And that right there is the only reason why reference-based pricing isn't completely ubiquitous. So what do you say to the employer that's scared to, you know what, about that one person that'll get balanced billed or maybe, because what I understand is that depending on the percentage of Medicare that you pay, well, it has, it's it's an elastic number. The lower the percentage, the higher number percentage of folks will actually be balanced billed. So I've seen the range from 1% balanced billed. Now that's at a range of about 200% of Medicare to around 6% of folks will be balanced billed when you get to roughly 150% of Medicare. But what do you say to the employer that's just scared of that happening, saying, I got to protect my people or I don't want to hassle or whatever? Don't be scared. Have an honest conversation about what's really going on because at the end of the day, it's affecting their wages, their salaries. I mean, all of the different things that are important to them, it's affecting them. I mean, it's the biggest redistribution of wealth our country's ever seen. You're feeding the system that doesn't need to exist. It just doesn't. What I typically tell people is that, you know what, your folks are getting balance billed right now. You just don't know it because it's typically yeah. like an emergency room, some type of out-of-network event at a network facility or something like that. And so it's happening. It's just now yes. you're raising the awareness and also you're bringing folks like you into the picture that are going to help with the settlement and the reconciliation process. So that's typically what I And it's, it's painful. It's just, it is. It's painful. And it's just, I mean, people are going to take shots. It's a civil war. I mean, you're going to take your shot, but at the end of the day, you're going to get to the right spot. You are. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for that. Thank you for the update. I wasn't sure how deeper we're going to reference based pricing, but the 501R reference, obviously it stoked both of our interests. So thanks for that. I mean, what did, but Michael, ahead, but, but I was just say, think about this. You can front load your plan document, have the FAP pay primary, reference-based pricing pay secondary. I mean, you can do, there's lots of different things you can do because all you're doing is forcing a hospital to fulfill its obligation to provide a charitable mission. So wherever you are, you can look at their FPL, 400% of FPL, whatever, you know, whatever those requirements mm-hmm. are, do the math, front load it up front. And yeah. Now, in terms of that plan document drafting, I'm assuming you provide that service as well. I so, do. What else do you do in the guys? Because I thought you were purely on the defense side, but in terms of no, drafting. No, no, There's that for sure. But yeah, I mean, happy to talk to anybody about anything. Just been around for a long time. 
Yeah, well, we're almost the same age, so we haven't been around that long. Yet. Yeah, <laughs> not old yet. I'll never, I'll never subscribe to that. I'm excited for 2021. I mean, I feel like there's so much opportunity in the healthcare space for so many different people, for everybody to come to the right conclusion, which is, you know, you've got patients who need help, you've got, you know, doctors, nurses who can provide it, and how is this all going to work? Because I think the biggest problem that we've got is just, you know, all these intermediaries who have perverse incentives, and it just, it kind of gets things a little bit crosswise. Yeah, I agree. This is a great time for employers to try to, to really do some soul searching and think, all right, we're tired of the way we buy health insurance now. They probably don't think this way. It's more of, you know, we have to consider what we're doing now and think, okay, what can we do that one honors our employees, but two, to just change the game for us. Because right now, the last 10 years, they've been the most taken advantage of in addition to their employees. So if you're not in that stage of early adopter, where I'm, the way you would know that is if you're not reference-based pricing now, or you don't have a plan that's what we call actively managed, you just look at your plan once a year and hope for the best, it's time for you to consider something else. Exactly. Always a treasure to talk to you because I... Uh, Likewise, I, sir. I, you know, and I, all the best to you and your family, dude. I love the six kids because I got them too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Solving Healthcare. If you like this episode, please rate it and also provide your comments. If you would like to know how this service or others could fit within your organization, or if you'd like to sign up for future podcasts and news updates, please go to www.solvinghealthcare.net and click on contact.